Now today, we're going into the scripture in the New Testament. The title of the message is The Promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is very clear, but extremely important. As we go through our valley experiences, and we're either in a valley now, coming out of one, or going into one. That's the way life is. But when you go through real life, there's the mountains and there's the valleys. But the thing that is referred to in the Scripture as the promise of the Father is that he will send the Holy Spirit to live with us 24-7 when we're awake and when we're asleep, when we're in town and when we're out of town, when we're with all of our friends and we're alone, when we're in the darkness or we're in the light, the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father to all of us that he will send his Holy Spirit, that when Jesus is risen, when Jesus is ascended, as we await the return of Jesus to this earth, there will be the Holy Spirit that will guide us into all truth, that will give us courage and strength, but it will give us comfort and assurance as well. So I want you to look at this with me. It's a very interesting, uh, clear study, and it's not, you don't have to be a theologian to understand. You just have to be real. You have to be honest. You have to hear what the Scripture says and say, you know, that's relevant to my life. So let's read the Scripture. First of all, we're going to Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and uh, the scriptures will go up on the screen as I refer to them this morning. But the 49th verse of Luke chapter 24 reads as follows. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, this is being spoken to the disciples in the upper room in the most difficult time of their life. Jesus crucified, not knowing what the future holds. Many of them knowing and ultimately experienced death by assassination. They were martyrs. And of all the things that they needed at that moment in their life, as they were going through their valley, and you may be going through yours today, is to know to know that there is a living Holy Spirit that's a part of the Godhead that was there in Genesis. It was there in Revelations 22 as well as Genesis 1. And that Holy Spirit is the promise from the Father as if all these theologians are saying, and I think that they are accurate, that God wants us to know. Our Father wants us to know. It's like before turning a child loose to go off to college. Don't forget me. Don't forget me when you're gone. This kind of thing. That it was a real meaningful thing. But the Father is saying to us, I am going to give to you the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going to be something you're going to need the rest of your life. And it will come in so handy I mean, it'll be better than one of those knives that have 28 different blades that you bought on television. I mean, this will go way beyond that. It will guide you to all truth in all situations at all times. 
And it won't make you go alone. It won't watch you go through. It will go with you through those difficult times. So listen very, very carefully. Let's go over to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4. And we hear it again, referred to as the promise of the Father. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them to depart from Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now here is a caution, a warning, and a, a putting them on hold and simply saying, now you better pay attention to what I'm telling you. So any of you are here today and you say, I just don't find the Bible relevant to me. It's relevant today to you, I'm telling you. Listen very, very carefully. God that made you, knows you, knows me, knows all about us. He wants to be involved in the rest of our life. And he wants to take us right where we are and make us into what he wants us to be as we live our little journey here on earth. And this life is brief and it won't go that long. But one day, we'll be with him forever and forever and forever. Now listen to John chapter 14. And we're going to key in on this gift from the Father. 14th chapter of John, verses 16 and 17. And I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Listen to that sweet, sweet word. John 14, 26. Jump down about nine verses. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he, the Holy Spirit, shall teach you all things, will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. One more scripture. In the gospel according to John, 15th chapter, verse 26 and 27. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me, and you also shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. If I were in that room that day and it was pretty depressing before I heard these words, I think it would have changed my life dramatically that I realized I'm not in this thing alone. I'm not just an unknown blob of protoplasm on the planet that people just, you know, people, some have a lot of friends and I don't have very many friends. Let me tell you something. If you have the Lord and you have the Holy Spirit, you've got everything you need for anything you're going to face. And I will encourage you by telling you, though, if you'll just walk under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, God will do exceeding abundantly above all that you think or ask. But you'll have real friends. You'll have real joy. You'll have real peace. You'll have real life. You'll have it more abundantly. But the Holy Spirit is the key. And as I will show you in a moment, that's the most abused part of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit today. 
There's so much stuff on television. There's so much stuff on the radio. There's so much stuff being shot out all over the world of, of blaspheming, really, the Holy Spirit by what they teach about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is here to do. But what I want you to know at this point in the message is that that promise from the Father, the one promise is the promise I will put upon you in your life and in you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you, guide you, convict you, and on and on. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all the things. And then that 15th verse, write it down, 26 and 27. But the Comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds for the Father, and he'll testify of me. And you also shall bear witness, because you've been with me. Those, I could read them over and over again. They're so encouraging, and especially when you're going through the valley. We can only surmise, but I think they were comforted. I really, really do. You know, if you go back to the Bible, the problems began in Genesis. You remember Adam and Eve? Remember they had sinned, Genesis chapter 3? And do you remember how the Holy Spirit dealt with all of this? Do you remember how in that time the Holy Spirit was there? Israel began to have their problems. Then the Spirit of God moves. Then there is Judah in the dark days of apostasy, and the Holy Spirit moved. But God promised to send his Son, who would be the way to the Father. And so Jesus plays his part. The Father plays his part. But the promise of the Holy Spirit that keeps all of this together, it's the glue that holds the Father uh, and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit being the glue. The Son and the Father become one. And the three become what we call, and it's not a biblical word, but we call it the Trinity. Listen to John 14, 3. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. How is that possible? Through the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Son, Jesus, always reminded the people of the gift of the Father to them, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And all the Word of God, the two most meaningful promises from God are, I'm going to send my only begotten Son to die on the cross for you. And then I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to guide you to all truth. That's the two most important promises of the Bible. If you understand those two, your life can change just like that. When you decide, I am going to walk in the power of His Spirit I am going to lean on that spirit. I'm going to cleave to not only the cross, but I'm going to cleave to that spirit to guide me and to lead me. Over in the Old Testament, in Joel 2.28, I think we have some referral here when it says, when you use the word I, and it shall come to pass afterward that I, and I think that's the Father, will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I, the Father, will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. 
You see, the Holy Spirit gives you two things. We could probably add a whole lot more. But it, it gives us power, but it also gives us encouragement. If you've been discouraged recently, and you're still discouraged, could I invite you to come and let the Holy Spirit take over your life before you got out of here today? If you've kind of been really kind of down and out, have you really gotten in a quiet place, shut the door, turn off the TV, put the phone over to the side, don't turn on the computer, don't go looking for something that you dare not miss in the way of entertainment, just be still and know that he's God. And you know the way he's going to let you know he's God? He's going to send his promise to you, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going to get you thinking right. He's going to get you to where you are in a world that you haven't been in in a long, long time. If you're a believer, you were in that world the moment you got saved. But a lot of people don't get to their car before they start looking for opportunities to jump back into the old world again. But now stay with me. The Holy Spirit always brings encouragement to defeated people if they know Jesus. But... That word means to be a comforter or an encourager. The Holy Spirit comforts us, then it encourages us. It comforts, encourages us, then it empowers us if we are willing to go in the way that the Holy Spirit has counseled us and encouraged us to go. And we said, I will do that, but I can't understand how I'm going to do it because I am so weak. I'm just a mortal man. And then we hear the, another promise from the Scripture and that is where Jesus said this promise. He said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And we're going to go through this together. Those disciples, they were in deep despair, like many that I'm speaking to right now. Way down the chart of joy. If this is joy, 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 they're way down here. They don't even have the first letter of the first joy. Because life is just tough. But my dear friend, as I say many times, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, God's got a plan for you. And he'll snap you right out of there and you don't have to wonder whether it's on your policy or not and whether the policy will cover it. The policy won't cover it, but the cross and the empty tomb will cover it. Amen. And that policy is available to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to John 16 and 6. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. This is, wait, now no, hold on to that. I'm not through with my scripture. We're going to the next one. Sometimes we get sleepy and we go to sleep right there. That's the last scripture. Well, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to read the next one. Let me read that one that you just went to sleep on. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. That's right, God. Just hold me during the night. I wake up in the morning. Let's go to the next verse. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away, for if I don't go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. You see, a lot of people are still mourning the cross, but they haven't been to the resurrection. They haven't been to the fact that Jesus is alive and he wants to live with you today. He wants to live with you today. He wants to come into your heart. And the only thing that keeps him from coming in, he's never been invited to come in. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever comes into me, I will in no wise cast out. You see, you are where you are in your despair and discouragement because you have chosen to reject him 
and accept the world, to not trust him, but to trust the world, to not believe that you can have more joy being in the minority than you can ever have being in the, in the majority because the majority are, are on their way to an eternity without God and without hope. But you have to stop and say, this is where I am. And the word comfortless in the Greek, it means orphan. Orphanes is the word. And it means that you're not going to be an orphan. You're not going to be thrown out. I will not leave you comfortless. The 18th verse says, I will come to you. What he says is, you'll never be an orphan. You're my child. I will never let you go. You're my child. I will never turn my back on you. You're my child. You remember Romans chapter 8? If you know much of the Bible, that's one of your favorite chapters. Verse 9 says this, But you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. Talking to us Christians. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. See how simple that is? He says, if you are a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in you, that's the solid rock on which you stand. That's the reason you know who's going to win before the race ever starts. Because you have laid the foundation down, you've got a hold of it, and now, now, you're going to walk with God. And when the job gets too big for you, you can say, Lord, I need to take a break. I'm going to get a little water out of my canteen here. And so I can make the rest of the journey and say, you just take care of the devil. He said, don't, don't worry about that. And the moment the Lord turns towards Satan, he just hooks him. He, he doesn't have to fight him. He already defeated him. You know, the Holy Spirit's not in a battlefield. The battle is over. The victory is won. Jesus is Lord. Amen. He is Lord. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'm in the midst of them. That's one of the reasons I like to come to church. You know, where three or 4,000 are gathered in his name, he really shows up. And he, he comes from every background, every walk of life. I mean, we could write a long book if we'd all give our testimony of, of this past week. It would be a volume you could not read in a lifetime because we've been through the valleys, the mountaintops, and on and on. But when God sends us, you know what? He always guides us. When he sends us, he guides us. Well, you say, I just don't understand why God doesn't give me what I want. You know why? Because God doesn't want you to have what you want. You're on the wrong road. Now, come on, man. Here's what you do. We just drive faster. We know when we get lost, we just go faster. You know, we call that fast living. You know, I'm going the wrong direction, but I'm going there faster than my wife is, you know, because she's trying to make a decision. She's still back there praying about which way to go. I've already made up my mind. I'm just going to hook her. But the God says, you've got to understand the gift that I give. The Father says, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. My Holy Spirit will never get away from you. I don't care which road you take. I don't care which direction you're going. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And that opens up for you the world that you are looking for, but you just haven't found where it is and that's where I want to help you this morning he says in verse 20 of Matthew 28 I am with you always let me give you three things real quick number one God gives us that gift for power 
All power is given to him in heaven and in earth. You say, it's, I'm just so weak, I'm just so weak. I mean, I just fall for temptation. I don't know why. I've had so many affairs. I've, I just can't stop at one drink. I mean, I, I can't stop and turn the first one down. I mean, I just can't do that. You know what? If the Holy Spirit is there, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And the way he strengthens you is through his gift, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, if you'll back away for just 15 seconds and say, Holy Spirit, you know what I'm being asked to do. Would you bless this? Would you go with me in this? This decision I'm fixing to make as to where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do, will you go with me? And the Holy Spirit will say, no. Well, then if you're not going, I'm not going. Where you want to go? I'm going to take you over here. And when he takes you over there, you're going to find that no good thing will he ever withhold from those that love him. That's what he says. While you're going after the garbage, I'm going to take you to the best there is. I'm going to take you to the bread of life. I'm going to take you to life everlasting. I'm going to show you just a little bit, just a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. When you take the Holy Spirit from the gospel, you know what you have? You'd have nothing but the thoughts of mortal men. See, the Holy Spirit inspired this book. The Holy Spirit guided the hands of those that wrote it. If he didn't, this is just another book. It's 66 other books that some would be on the bestseller list and some wouldn't if they were in the bookstore, book by book by book. But when you look at the Scripture and say, but God gives me power because I need deliverance. I need to be set free. I need the trap to be open. I need somebody to help pick me up. I'm falling down, falling down, falling down. I can't pick up myself any longer. I am so burdened by sin. I can't get all this weight off of me. Welcome the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes over from there. Going back to the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, 20, it says, The Redeemer shall come to Zion, and to them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. But as for me, now listen to this, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth nor out of the mouth of your seed nor out of the mouth of your seed seeds says the Lord from henceforth and forever. God says, I will put my words in your mouth, in your children's mouth, in your grandchildren's mouth and together, together, you can do what God wants you to do. You see, we can pray and preach and teach and sing and serve and give and go to the mission field, but you know something? If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we accomplish nothing. Amen. We're sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. Amen. We're just jumping up and down and saying glory to God and then go out and live like there is no God. On, That's where we go with that stuff. But when you just stop, take a deep breath, and ask yourself, what has the sweet old devil done for you in the last six months? And you'll find that there'll be nothing on your list. But every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Ask people that have been down the road another 50 years from you. And they'll never tell you they made a mistake when one day they decided they'd get off of the rat race and get on the highway to heaven and be what God wanted them to be. That's what God wants for all of you. 
That's what we all want for one another if we really know the Lord. So what is truth? Where can you find it? Who speaks truth? Where can we go with that? Let me tell you, there's a lot of false prophets in this world today, my friend. You better watch it because it's a 501c3 nonprofit religious corporation. You better find out what they believe. You better get a close-up look. The world's already discovered it. When Christians discovered it, it's going to be a, a revival in the church because there's so many things out there. Those of you that watch television all the time, deception, unbelievable. Ignorance. Let me tell you something, folks. God doesn't want everybody healed. We're going to die. He wants all of us one day to come be with him, all right? But I tell you what, if he can be glorified by him doing it with nobody else getting any glory for it or any money for it, if he chooses to do that, and I've seen him do it many, many times, praise the Lord. But if we live, we live unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live or die, we're the Lord's. And Lord, you just decide. One of the saddest things is when Christians die on earth and they're still breathing because they're not walking in the faith. They're not walking in the spirit. Let me tell you, the most unhappy people in the world are born-again Christians living in sin. Okay? People that aren't saved, they love it. They love it and don't understand why others don't. So then the Christians decide, well, they're having such a good time, I think I'll join them. They're the most miserable people in the world. Why? Because, you see, Jesus sets people free from that junk. But yet, we are so prone to deception. The apostle calls Satan the God of the world and the one who binds the minds of people so they don't see the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, listen to this. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. The devil doesn't want you to be saved. He doesn't want you to be forgiven. He doesn't want you to be set free. He wants you to be his slave. And we let him do it. People let him do it. God is truth. He's not a deceiver. The true God always, always speaks the truth. And he doesn't fill people with vain hopes and, and carnal security. He fills them with his love and his power and his strength. Satan did this with Adam and Eve. I'll not read the whole, whole passage, Genesis 3, 1 through 4, but let me just read you the last phrase. And the serpent said unto the woman, what? You won't surely die. Did she? Sure she did. That's just another lie like all of this stuff. I think so. I think you're right. So I'm going to join my buddy Adam. He's my first boyfriend. So I think I'll just, I'll just go with him and read the rest of the story. Could I just encourage you to never try to take authority over God? Could I encourage you not to think that your ways are better than his ways? Could I encourage you to just be still and know he's God? Could I encourage you to get away from, turn off everything that you normally watch, listen to, 
Get away from people you're normally with and be still and know that he is God. Watch a sunrise, watch a sunset. Watch a flower. Do something, but get out of the routine. Get out of the routine. The record of deception and distortion regarding the truth of God is no less tragically seen in the New Testament and the history of Christendom like it is today. It is so deplorable to watch people be deceived by those that are false prophets. Those that laugh and mock at those that send their social security checks and send the last dime because I just loved it and that song just touched my heart. Let me tell you something, dear folks. You don't have to pay for your salvation. When you give money to God, you give to spread the word because the word changed you. That's what you give for. You don't give to make people billionaires. You give in order that the gospel can be preached to the world. Those kids that are over there right now in Kenya are there because our vacation Bible school this year, little children bought hundreds of pounds of pennies in a bucket. And that was put with a, with a few paper money. And every one of you here that had a kid in Bible school had a part of sending that group. And when they come back, there's going to be a report of kids that came to know Jesus. But nobody's going to come back in a Rolls Royce. They're going to come back and saying, man, what a wonderful thing happened. I saw kids that had nothing but Jesus. And they were smiling, bigger smiles and happier than any kids I ever saw in my life. That's what the gospel's all about. It's not about building a ministry. It's not about building a church. It is about telling people about Jesus. And these buildings are to be used for the glory of God. This is not the town hall meeting place. But we have a ministry to the community that we try to use. But the thing that we don't understand is that what Jesus said, well, let me read you Matthew 24, 24. Are you ready? For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch if it were possible they would deceive the very elect. In other words, if it were possible for people that had really been born again to be deceived, they, they would be. But they can't be. You cannot deceive a person that knows Jesus personally. They know the right from wrong. There's no, there's no question about it. It's not up for human debate. Jesus made it very, very clear. Where I am, where I am, where I am, where I am lifted up, where people talk about me and not about them. I mean, it's all there. But listen to what he says over here in 2 Peter 2, 1. Listen to the scripture. But there were false prophets also among the people. Can you imagine a, a time when there was false prophets? It says, even as there shall be false prophets, teachers among you. Oh, oh, you put that in there. Yeah, he did. Who privately shall bring in damnable heresies in denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What a warning to those that really want to see Jesus lifted up. For people to see Jesus as for who he is, not for what their idea of what a God ought to be like. Let me give you one more. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to this. This is not the 10 o'clock news tonight. Listen to this. Verses 1 through 5. 
Young Timothy is writing this, a young man that learned that God makes a difference in young men's lives. This is what he wrote. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truth bakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. When Paul wrote that to, to young Timothy, he was instructing a young man to wake up, young man. Look at your world. Look at what your people are being deceived by. Look what they're falling for. But you get out of that, Timothy. I've got a plan for you. Those are false prophets. They are doing all of the things that just breaks the heart of God and get people focused back on who he is instead of who you are. And when that begins to happen, you understand the, the, why the Father had one promise. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. You having trouble in your marriage? The Holy Spirit can correct it. You having trouble in your business? The Holy Spirit can correct it. Are you having trouble physically? The Holy Spirit can heal you, you bet, with or without, doctors. Thank God for the medical center. Thank God, thank God. But I tell you what, our hope is in him. He says, I am the great physician. I know things they will never know in medical science. Well, there is also the promise not only of power, not only the promise of truth, finally, the promise of the Spirit is for salvation. You know what the Holy Spirit does? It convicts you of your sin. It leads you to, to the Savior. It changes your life. It sanctifies you. It cleans you up. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will attend us all the way from earth to heaven. Never, ever leave us. Your best friends may live next door, but they have the right, and they may be best for them to move. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit's not moving out on you. And by the way, if you say, well, if he's not going to move, I'm going to move. Well, don't do that. He'll meet you when you drive up in your driveway. He's going to move with you. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because he's a gift from the Father. And the Father has a, not a 30-day guarantee, not a 90-day money-back guarantee. He's got an eternal, everlasting guarantee. And he comes as a gift. And that gift is for everybody, not for just those that were raised in Christian home. It's for everybody. But to deny the witness of the Holy Spirit in your life is to suffer eternal exclusion, exclusion from the glories of heaven. You can't get to Jesus and to the Father except through the Spirit. And that is clear. I'll close with the scriptures here. Mark chapter 3, verse 28 says, Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith so ever they shall blaspheme. But, listen to this, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Spirit has never forgiveness but is in danger of eternal damnation. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you, 
All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, God's gift to us, the blaspheming against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven him. That's against Jesus. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And the last scripture is 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life. For them that sin not unto death. But there is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. When you cross God's deadline, you'll never be convicted again. You know, a lot of people, when they quit being convicted, they think they're making progress. They think that God's really happy with them now because he's not bugging them anymore. No, you know better than that. We're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. But God's Spirit is his gift. That Spirit will not walk out. He's here right now. You have an opportunity to say yes or no. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that are watching or listening, God doesn't have any more sons to send to this earth. He had one son. His name was Jesus. That's it. You either receive him or you reject him. There's no other name given among men whereby you can be saved. There is none. And while I'm on the subject, as I close, there's no other spirit either. There's a Holy Spirit. There's not a team of Holy Spirits. There is a Holy Spirit. And that Spirit loves you like you've never been loved before. That Spirit is closer to you than you can even calculate with all of your mathematical knowledge. That Spirit is waiting to tell the Father and the Son. On Sunday in Houston, in July 2017, there were a group of people gathered, and some watched by the Internet, some listened by radio, and some watched the local television station in Houston. And that day, my spirit in Houston was available to whosoever will. And on that day, there were those who said, I'm going to confess my sin. I have not followed the truth. I've done my own thing. No, I have nothing to brag about that the devil's done good in my life. And I am going to kick the devil out. And I'm going to claim the promise from the Father. The Holy Spirit to help me now to get through this time of salvation. Where the Holy Spirit right now in a matter of seconds can take you to Jesus. And together, Spirit and Son take you to the Father forever and forever and forever. So are you willing to do that? May God today, through the Holy Spirit, speak into your life. May God today just get a hold of you and say, look, hear me, trust me. Let me live my life in you. And if you'll do that, you'll never be the same. I've lived a lot of years, and every time I preach, I'm older than I was before the, the sermon I preached before. And I can tell you, since last week, I've still not met the first person 
that's ever come to me and said, I wish I'd have never gotten saved. I wish I'd have never believed that Bible. I wish I'd have just kept on like I was doing. I've yet to meet the first one. I don't think there's any anywhere. I think when you come to Jesus, you have such a catastrophic change that you're never the same again. And the thing that you're going to be saying when you're as old as me is, you know, a lot of good things happened in my life, but the best thing happened to me was when I was whatever. I was seven years old. And we were talking today, earlier, some of us, about when we got saved out here in the hallway. Let me tell you, you'll never forget today when a wonderful change in your life was wrought when Jesus came into your heart. You know why he comes into your heart and how he comes into your heart? He sent a gift, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. He'll take care of the paperwork, okay? You just got to make yourself available.